You're listening to the Northwestern Campus Ministry Podcast from Northwestern College in Orange City, Iowa. Northwestern Campus Ministry exists to send students out as those rooted, built up, and established in Christ for God's glory and for the sake of the world. Thanks for listening and enjoy this recent message from our Christian Formation Program. Hey, and we're excited this morning. A good friend of mine, a former colleague of mine, Bill Page, flew out from New Jersey yesterday. He and I have, have worked for a number of years together in a ministry called Young Life. Bill is uh, someone who has worked and volunteered for Young Life for over 30 years. Uh, he was a special assistant to the president in Young Life, this international organization. He's someone who has done chaplaincy work with the New York Giants, chaplaincy work with uh, the New, uh, New Jersey Nets before they were the Brooklyn Nets, someone who's done chaplaincy work for the New York Yankees. He's someone who has spoken internationally. He's someone who's really impacted my life in many ways and a lot of my friends' lives. We're really, really privileged and blessed to have Bill Page with us this morning. Can you join me in giving our brother Bill a warm Raider welcome? How's everybody doing? Okay, I want you to be a little bit louder. Good morning. morning. How's everybody doing? Okay, I count it an honor and a blessing to be with you today, and I've had an opportunity to speak to some students and faculty, and uh, one of the things I do, I just keep it real with people, and I ask them to keep it real with me. Amen? And so I'm gonna change some things today. I like amen, but I wanna use a different word for amen, and that word would be I. Okay, and the person seated next to you, that's your neighbor. Just say, good morning, neighbor. Now, I might have you talking to your neighbor a little bit. Ephesians 4.25 says, Cease them with lying and tell your neighbor the truth, because we're not separate units, but intimately united in Christ. I think that's God's way of saying be real with each other. All right? So look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor, I can handle your laundry. Keep your underwear to yourself. Okay. So uh, how many of you want me to be real today? Raise your hands. Okay. If I'm real, I want you to be real. So I'm going to ask you these questions, and just by the raising of your hands, how many of you found out life's a lot more difficult than you thought it would be? How many of you find yourself doing stupid stuff every once in a while? How many of us do stupid stuff we know it's stupid and we do it anyway? Say, neighbor. The ham sandwich is the matter with you. Okay. So we, we, we go through a lot of stuff, we do a lot of different things, and, and a lot of times we think because Jesus shows up in our life that everything is going to change. Uh, I was born and raised in New York City, and I grew up in a real dysfunctional family. My mom was involved with organized crime. I don't realize it until many years later when I began to investigate organized crime as a police officer in New York. And I look back and I was like, dang, that's what mommy used to do. Uh, I was the victim of child abuse at her hands, uh, didn't know it was child abuse. I look back, I was like, dang, that's what mommy used to do. And I shared this with a crew the other night, and I saw a girl at a Young Life camp. She had a t-shirt on, said, save your drama for your mama. Look at your neighbor, say, neighbor. Bill's mama was his drama. And I had a cousin that lived in our house. She was very promiscuous. And so as a little boy, I saw a lot of things that I should not have seen. How many of you have found out that, how many, well, let's do it this way. How many of you ever had a day start out great and before that day was over, all heck was breaking loose? Anybody ever have a day like that? How many of you have tried to make the day better and it only got worse? Okay, here's what I've learned in life. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, no matter how bad it is, it can always get worse. Okay. My mom died when I was 13 years old, and the day she died, I found out that she was not my mother. 
But the girl who I thought was my mother, I mean my cousin rather, that turned out to be my real mother, who was impregnated at 15 years old. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor. Dang. And so my life kind of spiraled out of control and uh, ended up going to high school, played football there. Soon as football season ended, quit school, began running the streets, hanging out with a crew that was doing some pretty wild bank robberies and murders. So I joined the military to keep him going to jail, got out of the military, became police officer. I finished high school when I was in the service. By this time, I had gotten married. And for the first 10 years on that job, I did not know who Jesus was. And I was corrupt and I did not have the ability. I did not have the power within me to seemingly control myself. I had tremendous authority. And and one day I got real, just like I've asked you to be real. I was watching TV and a man asked two questions. And he said, hey, are you a sinner? And I said, yep. You know Jesus? I said, no, say neighbor. You know you got issues if you get an attitude with the television. And then he said, call this telephone number. I called the telephone number. I prayed with a man, and I received Christ in my life. And my life was radically changed, filled with God's spirit, complete deliverance from drugs and alcohol. My wife came home. There was somebody different living in the house. Kids are trying to figure out who's the new guy living here who doesn't curse anymore and all those kind of things. And it's been an incredible ride for these 41 years since I've served the Lord. You know, one of the things I I loved to do as a police officer, people ask me, you know, what was it like being a cop? And, and I loved it. And 10 years as a Christian police officer, 10 years as a non-Christian police officer, I hope I was a lot better as a, as a Christian police officer. But one of the things I loved the most was high-speed pursuits. And, uh, but nobody would ever want to let me drive the car because I was so reckless. And I remember one night I was a rookie and I was riding with a guy named John Creedon. And the, and the senior man always determines who, rides, who drives the car. So all night long we're working at midnight too. I said, John, can I drive the car? He goes, no, you're not going to drive the car. You drive like a knucklehead. I am not letting you drive the car. All night long I'm like a little kid. Hey, when is it going to be my turn to drive the car? I want to drive the car. So it gets to be about five o'clock in the morning. And I'm telling you right now, this is a day that I will never forget, and neither will John Creedon. This is kind of like a that day moment. And so it gets to be about five, John's starting getting tired. He says, okay, you could drive. And I got, I'm like a little boy in a toy store. <laughs> you know, I'm stopping speeders and, and, and pulling people over, making them get out of the car, all kinds of stuff. Gets to be at about a quarter to six in the morning. We pull over to the shoulder of the road, speed limit is 30 miles an hour. A car, where they had no more than five minutes, a car goes by us at about 90 miles an hour. So close to the police car, the police car went just like this. John Creedon now realized he's made the biggest mistake of his life. (laughs) I go to pull the car into gear. He grabs my wrist. He goes, Bill, forget about it. You'll never catch him. Get your stinking hands off me. (laughs) (laughs) And we were after this guy. Oh, yeah, boy. And you know what? When you're driving the car, you don't hear the All you hear, all I can hear was, Stop it, stop it, you're gonna kill us. Shut up! And I'm like, (laughs) and all of a sudden, it became personal. I'm catching this guy. And and we went around a corner, and and the car started bouncing out a little bit, and I I began, I got the car back under control, and as I look over, John begins to slide out of the seat of the car, down into the firewell. His fingernails are embedded in the dashboard, and he's like this, stop it, stop it, you're gonna kill us. Shut up! And finally, we catch this guy. And we jump out of the car, we draw our weapons, and I'm walking up in the car, and I look back to see if John is going to back me up. And as as he gets out of the car, literally, his legs are like this. (laughs) And I can see he wants to hit me. Uh, But that would not have been a good idea in those days. But I will share one thing. For the next 20 years, John Creedon never let me drive the car again. (laughs) 
His fingernails never, marks never came out of the dashboard of the car. He would bring people over. Come, come, let me show you that when you let stupid drive the car. And there were his fingernail marks. But for me, it was awesome. But not for him. You know why? Because he didn't have any control. Things were out of control for him. I would think that, how many of you have ever rode in a car with somebody that did not know how to drive that well? Anybody ever here? How many of you ever sat in that shotgun seat and hit brakes that did not exist, okay? And you realized uh, things are out of control. And this person, they act like they've got it all together. They're talking to people in the back seat, and you're like, and to a certain degree, we act like we ain't scared. Well, you might say, well, what does this have to do with Jesus, Bill? I think it has everything to do with Jesus. Denny Ryberg, who used to be the former president of Young Life, was going on to meet the Lord. You know, one of the things he said, he said, when God wants to teach you something, he'll take you on a journey. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, put your seatbelt on. You know, one of the things that Jesus is most quoted as saying at least 20 times, two words, follow me. He wants to take you on a journey. He wants to take us somewhere. And he says, come on. Follow me. Somebody tells you something, or that's quoted that many times, trust me, they're trying to get our attention. And so um, I, when I read the Bible, it turns into a movie for me. And so I look at the book of Luke in the fifth chapter, and the, the Bible says this. I love these two words. One day, one day, people were crowding closely around Jesus to hear God's message. Nobody spoke like he ever spoke. His words had the ring of authority. He had the ability to change lives, and people clung to the things that he said. And, and all of a sudden, there comes a point, and you all know this story where he gets backed up to the Sea of Galilee, and he sees these boats, and he gets into the boats that belong to a, a guy named Simon Peter. Peter's off cleaning his net, and Jesus says, Pete, come over here. Move out a little bit from the shore so I could teach the people. doesn't tell us what he said that day. That message wasn't for you. It wasn't for me. It was just for those people on the beach and Pete. And he teaches, and then all of a sudden he's finished, and then he sends the crowd home. And he tells Peter, move out into deep water for a catch. You know what I love about Peter? He's always real. He's not always right, but he's always real. I say, neighbor, are you real with God? We fished all night long, but we didn't catch anything. And then he says these things. But nevertheless, because you say do it, I'll do it. And they move out a little bit further. He throws his net, <laughs> the net is filled with fish. So many fish, the net begins to tear, it begins to sink his boat. They cry out to the other, not he, they cry out to the other disciples who had come out of their boat. They throw their nets in, <laughs> the greatest day of their fishing life. And then Peter gets real. Get away from me. I'm a sinful man. Jesus knew how sinful Peter was. What's he say to him? Put your net down, pick up your cross. Come on, follow me. Follow me. I'll teach you to catch me. That was the beginning. And I think he didn't know what he was getting himself into. I think he didn't know how crazy it would be. And one of the things I love about Jesus, he's always real. He does tell the disciples this, in this world, you will have trouble. And I think sometimes as followers of Jesus, we think when trouble shows up, we don't know what to do. And so they begin to follow him. It's one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, and just for the expedience of time, I won't read it. I'll just quote it. You can keep, check it out for yourself. Mark 4.35, on the evening of that day. That day. 
That day was a day that they would never forget. John Creedon will never forget that day. I have never forgotten that day and so many other that days in my life. The good, the bad, the ugly. 20 years as a police officer, you see it all. On the evening of that day, Jesus says to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake. He wants to take them somewhere. And the Bible says he, they dismissed the crowd and he took them as they were, as he was. And maybe today, high 85, not a cloud in the sky, the lake is like crystal. Problem was no Doppler radar in those days. Storms came out of nowhere in those days. And all of a sudden, the winds begin to kick up and the water begins to break into the boat. And Jesus is asleep in the stern on a mat, on a pillow. And these guys are bailing water. As water comes in, they don't want to end up in the bottom of the lake. And all of a sudden, Peter turns around and Jesus is asleep. Hey, don't you care that we perish? I love it. Nothing jams up Jesus except religious people. I. People who think they know what God is like, but they don't have a clue. Say, neighbor. I can't stand people like that. And it was people like that who couldn't stand Jesus and who would ultimately call for his death. Jesus wakes up. Now, the Bible doesn't really explain it, but I just wonder. And he looks at this storm and the winds and waves. And he says this in one translation. Peace, be still. Another translation says it this way. And he rebuked the wind, and he calmed the sea. If the Bible was written in the hood, Jesus just simply said, chill. That storm backed up off Jesus. (laughs) And then the Bible says there was a great calm. Meteorologists say it takes hours, sometimes even days, for a turbulent sea to, to, to calm itself. Jesus spoke into that storm. And things got still. He rebuked that wind. You know the word wind and spirit in the Old and New Testament are the same word? He rebuked that spirit. And then he calmed what that spirit had caused. And then he turns to his crew and he turns to you and I when things get turbulent and stormy. Where's your faith? And I think he has a smile on his face when he says it. Where's your faith? Why did you doubt? And the only thing those guys could say, who is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? Wow. You know what? They don't realize fully who they've gotten themselves hooked up to. And even more important than that, they don't realize who's hooked himself up to them. Because Jesus says, you didn't choose me. I chose you. He chose you. He chose me in spite of you and me. And maybe we hear this story and we say, well, good, Jesus is great with weather. But what about the storms that rage in my life? What about when I'm fronting and I act like I got it all together and I'm dying in a pile? What about when I cry myself to sleep at night and I have my head laying on a pillow, have a tear roll out my left eye, cross the bridge of my nose down into my right eye? Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, how does this man know so much about you? How do we handle the storms when we failed, when we feel that we've let God down? How do we handle life when we think God is not there? Jesus makes you and I a promise. I'll be with you always. 
even until the end of the world. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Then the Bible also says he's able to calm these storms because he's the God of all comfort and mercy and he gives us comfort according to 2 Corinthians, the first chapter. Gives us comfort so that we in turn can give comfort to others. And the more that we share Christ's sufferings, the more we are able to give of his encouragement. And this means, check out this, and in the Phillips translation, if we have to experience trouble, I would have just wrote it when we experience trouble, we can pass on to you the same sort of spiritual help that we ourselves have received. God is an awesome God. And again, when I read the scriptures, it turns into a movie for me. And I look at this little bit of a next story, and this is found in the book of Matthew in the 14th chapter, and we all know the story when Jesus fed the 5,000. And uh, there comes a point when he's finished, he turns to his disciples, and he says, get in the boat and go over to the other side of the lake. I wonder right then, did they look at each other? Oh boy, last time we got in the boat, things got kind of crazy. Go over to the other side of the lake. And the Bible says, and then Jesus dismissed the crowd and he went up on a mountain to pray. One of the incredible things about Jesus was the incredible amount of time that Jesus spent with his dad. If it was important for Jesus to be with his dad, how important is it for us to be with our heavenly dad? To spend time with him in prayer, to spend time in his word, to allow faith to come alive. When he said to them in the previous storm, where's your faith? He had been teaching about faith, for faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And without faith, it's impossible to please the Lord. We need to get into the word of God. So he comes out of, out of sleep and he looks out on the lake and he sees the disciples and they're stuck in another storm. And here's what the Bible says. They were straining at the oars because the wind was contrary to them. In other words, they were trying to go one direction and there was something pushing against them. And in life sometimes as a follower of Christ, it seems like there's something pushing against us. We're trying to make headway. We make promises, I'll never do that again until that wind starts blowing and we find ourselves yielding to that wind. There was a struggle I had one time and I just couldn't get beyond this struggle. Hey God, it got me beyond so many struggles. And I said, Lord, how come I can't get beyond this? And the Lord told me to read that story. And here's what I feel the Holy Spirit said in my heart. You've cooperated with that wind, that spirit, for a long time. If you would just rest in me, if you would resist the devil, that wind, and submit yourself to God, you'll have the victory. And God has given me tremendous victory in some of the issues of my life. So here they are. They're straining at the oars. They're trying to go there. Jesus sees them. And he comes to them walking on the water. We all know the story. He comes walking on the water. They look out. They think it's a ghost. It's a ghost. No. I love it. Right in the middle of the storm. Hey, peace. Be a good cheer. It's me. Peter says, If it's you, command me to come to you. You know why he says command me to come? Because anything God commands us to do, he has to give us the power to do. I, John 15 and 5, Jesus says, you can't do anything without me. 
the Lord says, come. And Peter gets out of the boat. I, I, he gets out of the boat. I wonder what that was like. <sighs> 11 other disciples. <laughs> yeah, boy. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor. Bill thinks Peter was black. Okay. <laughs> so. And he starts walking on the water. And all of a sudden, he took his eyes off of Jesus. And he began to pay attention to the storm. And the Bible says he began to sink. When I first gave my life to the Lord, I read this story. Peter walked on the water, and I went in the bathroom, and I filled up the bathtub. In the name of Jesus, I will walk on this water. My foot went right to the bottom of the bathtub. <laughs> I didn't begin to sink, I sank. But Peter begins to sink. He begins to go down. And then he says something so important. And I stop right here for a second. In New York, when police officers are in trouble, when we're being overwhelmed or being overrun, or you're in situations that you can't handle and you have to call for help, you get on the radio and you call 1013. There's some incredible scriptures in the Bible, 1013. Your friends, your colleagues, those that are closest to you drop everything to come to your rescue. Joshua 10.13, where the Lord stood the sun still in the sky until the army of Israel won the battle. Daniel 10.13, Michael the archangel. Here's Daniel, came to his rescue. 1 Corinthians 10.13, there's no temptation taking you, but such is common to a man. But God is faithful who will never allow you to be tempted above that you're able. And with the temptation, he will provide the way of escape. Peter begins to sink and he cries out, Lord, save me. He called 10.13, Romans 10.13, for whosoever will call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you know what Jesus didn't do? Psych! Where's your faith? Thought you had it going on, didn't you? No, he just extended his hand, took Peter by the hand, lifts him up, and now it's just these two. And I'm telling you, this is how Bill feels. If there's ever a time you could put a smile on Jesus' face, it's right now. Why did you doubt? Where's your faith? And they walk back to the boat. And as soon as they get in the boat, notice the storm is still raging. All the disciples come and they worship Jesus. The only place in the scriptures where something like that happens. Wow. That same Jesus has made himself available to you and I. That same Jesus says to you and I, come on, follow me. That same Jesus says you'll never encounter a storm that he can't handle. You might not be able to handle it, but he can. He cares about the storms in your life and in my life. He's concerned about us. He wants to take us somewhere. He wants to take us on a journey. He simply says, come on, follow me. And when he looks over his shoulder, 
for those of you who name the name of Christ, he's expecting you to be there. So say, neighbor, put your seatbelt on. God wants to take you on a journey. It might get crazy, but he's going to be there every step of the way. You might get wet, but that's okay. Because the God of the universe is sold out to you. As a matter of fact, he says, when you're not faithful, I am faithful still because I cannot deny myself. I, life is filled with storms. You don't have to go through them alone. Let's take the journey with Jesus. Thank you very much.